0: You were a young woman living in New York, getting this job as a cub reporter at the New York Post. And this is a dream of any journalism student to be writing in New York. And suddenly you start feeling like you may have a cold, maybe it's the flu, you're getting tingly, you don't feel well. And then the next thing you know, people think that you are a violent psychotic. I'll let you take it from there. Your story of a descent into supposed madness.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I was violent and psychotic. That that was true. I, I, you know, and my diagnoses ranged. um, But at the time when I kind of the height of my psychosis, when I was hospitalized, that rule out diagnosis was schizoaffective disorder. So it's combinations of features of schizophrenia and features of bipolar disorder. And it was on the surface, correct. I very much had a lot in common um, my symptoms were almost identical to the people suffering, um, dealing with s- that serious mental illness. And so I, you know, I did appear that way because I was, I was violent and I was psychotic. It was a time that, you know, writing about was, was really challenging because I don't remember a good deal of it. And so much of my behavior seems so foreign to me in a way. And so at some
0: point you're literally tied to a bed and you have no idea what's going on, I can't even imagine. And that must've been terrifying. It,
1: it was so terrifying and confusing, because I didn't really understand what had happened. I knew that there was a slew of mysterious symptoms that led me there. I knew that I was searching for answers prior. But by that time, I had completely very much lost touch with a lot of reality. And so that I, that present eye that could really question it, I wasn't there anymore. Um, and the glimmers of myself where I could kind of come to, because it wasn't all, always the same. It would come up and down when I could have these glimmers of the kind of person I am. And, and I'd realize like, where I was and what had happened was, was truly terrifying.
0: Fortunately for you, I don't know if it was luck or kismet or being in the right place at the right time, but there was a doctor who came along and figured out that you were not crazy at all. And he literally told you, your brain is
1: on fire. Cause I don't remember this at all because at that point my psychosis had actually um, started to decompensate into catatonia. So I was barely talking. I could, you know, bar- I couldn't read or write. I could barely walk on my own. Um, so he, so this was communicated via my parents really, but they, they told me when he said that to them, when he said her brain is on fire, they felt relieved because they actually had someone who had an answer, because before that, it was going from one doctor to the next. no one was telling what they were you know what they were writing the medical record. I learned later when I got the medical records, what was being communicated. But they were really they really felt lost and they felt abandoned, and they felt you know they didn't have any answers. And so even something as terrifying as the phrase, "Her brain is on fire," actually felt somewhat comforting to them at the time. And so it turned out to be something very rare well yeah the you know at the time now not so much it's not as rare as previously thought but at the time this was 2009 i was the 217th person in the world to ever have been diagnosed with something called anti NMDA receptor autoimmune encephalitis so it's basically when your body's immune system targets and attacks the brain and this uh, this illness had only gotten a name 2 years prior so it was very new that said at that time, about 90% of patients were going on, misdiagnosed, and this condition, um, researchers believe, has been around for as long as humankind has been around. People have cognitive deficits, permanent com- cognitive deficits from pe- from not being um, diagnosed and treated aggressively or promptly. Some people die. Um, there are people who have contacted me who have who believe that they might have had this in their youth when they were supposedly had a mental breakdown or a nervous breakdown. Um, And then kind of came out of it and they have, they all report having some, some cognitive issues, subsequently some issues with memory, some issues, you know, keeping a job, you know, et cetera. And what's been incredible is that this thing that happened to me that I was able to shape into a narrative has gone on to change other people's lives. I mean, it's, it's astounding to be able to say it. I, you know, I still get an email probably once a week from someone saying that their book helped lead to a diagnosis and it's been i would say hundreds of emails um, since the book came out in the past 10 years people who got diagnoses after reading my book or they're a physician who read my book and were able to make the diagnosis they were a psychiatrist or a nurse i've gotten these emails from around not only the country but the world and it, it was so far beyond what i ever 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 thought would happen as an outcome of this book.
0: I mean, I could relate to it simply because I had some issues that for years and years, no doctor would correctly diagnose it. They would blow me off, make me feel like a hypochondriac, but I was in serious pain. And then I finally found a doctor who figured out what was wrong with me. And so that's kind of how I related to it. I didn't have your experience, but it was that constant fight of having to advocate for yourself when you know something's wrong and you know the doctors are
1: wrong and not taking you seriously you know debbie i you i'm in awe of your ability to, to advocate for yourself throughout that because it's extremely difficult to advocate for yourself i did not advocate for myself at all i was telling i told doctors i have multiple personality disorder you know i i was not i was not able to it was 100% the caregivers in my life, which were, were, were predominantly my mother, my father, and my boyfriend. Without them, I can say certainly that I would not be here now.
0: What what other takeaway would you like for them to have?
1: Well, I think I think kind of in the most concrete way is what you took away from it, which was this idea of advocating for yourself. And if you can't advocate for yourself, having others advocate for you, being comfortable questioning medical authority. I think it can be very, very intimidating if someone is kind of wearing the garb of a doctor and to question that, and you know, it's hard and you don't have the expertise. And so you are at a disadvantage. There is a hierarchy in terms of the knowledge, but I think you can know intuitively when you're not being heard or you're being dismissed and to um, have um, the kind of push or the drive to, you know, the support to question and to seek, seek help elsewhere. You know, if you're not getting what you need from a doctor to go to another one, I know it took you many doctors to find your answer. And I think it's, it's, I think there are, there are stats about how many, in terms of these kind of mysterious illnesses, how many doctors it takes. It takes typically takes quite a few. So if you feel that you're, this is not the right physician for you to question and to seek second opinions, fifth opinions, it's important.
0: Yeah. And then if you're like me and you finally find the right one, who takes the time to figure out what's wrong, then you ball like a baby.
1: Right. Which is 100% part of it. Absolutely.
0: You love St. Louis because you went to Washington University.
1: I did. And I love, I had a very good friend who is in Landmarks Preservation and she loves St. Louis, who she's from St. Louis. And she really kind of showed me the city in a way that I would never have gotten to see it had I not known her. And then I I also have family in the area. So I got really to know St. Louis and I love that city so much. I really well,
0: do. Well, that just makes me like you all the more. So, <laughs> uh, My Month of Madness, Susanna Cahalan, it says over 1 million copies sold and it uh, was a number one New York Times bestseller. So congratulations Thank on you. that. for bringing awareness to this and we're so glad to hear about your st louis connections and please stop by kmox the next time you come through town oh i'd love to his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt and even after band camp he might not be the greatest musician but with the three percent annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account your goal of supporting his dreams thanks for everything mom and dad will always be worth it